Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Caged In podcast, you bullshit artist. Hello and welcome to another Caged In Conversation. On this episode, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with actor Sky Elobar. Many of you may be aware of Sky from the indie breakout, gross-out horror comedy, The Greasy Strangler, directed by Jim Hosking in 2016. If you're here for that, be rest assured that we get plenty of greasy conversation. As well as that, we delve back into how Sky got started in Hollywood and how he used to be in a band and, yeah, all of the kind of moves and shakes that he did. He did to become a hootie cutie disco cutie in the Hollywood scene. We get into all of it. It's a very fun, laughter-filled chat, and I really, really did enjoy talking to Sky, and I very much hope you enjoy this conversation. So today I'm joined by actor Sky Elobar. How are you, Sky? I'm fantastic. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. We were just talking uh, off mic about your amazing backdrop you've got there. Could you uh, could you give us a description of the the, the Zoom backdrop? It's 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 a tiki bar, and <laughs> I I put it. I was messing around, and I put it in a last Zoom video I was in, and now I can't get it off. <laughs> I'm 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 forever in a tiki bar <laughs> that, that, that it feels like there could be far worse places to be trapped in for eternity right yep absolutely <laughs> man um so yeah so one of one of the things i wanted to talk about and i mentioned it off mic as well is obviously before you got into acting you were a musician so like were you was that your passion as like a kid were you always into music yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> and I'm, uh, you know, since I was like six years, seven years old, when I, my dad had a guitar and he had a violin and he had, he had a piano there, it was always a passion. It just hit me like that. What was the, kind, it. what was the kind of stuff that you were drawn to at that age and like, as you grew up? The Beatles. Mm-hmm. My dad turned me on to the Beatles and, uh, he he had a he had a little harmony guitar, little acoustic guitar, and he said, "Come here, 
I want to show you a song. So he sang down in the valley, <laughs> valley so low. And I thought, holy crap, is this is great. Show me those chords. So I played the chords and learned the song. And then he showed me Malaguena, you know, that little mm-hmm. thing, that uh, flamenco thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he showed me some other stuff and then the violin and then piano and it just caught on. Amazing. And then you eventually, yeah, like, what, did you study for music or when did, when did kind yeah, of act? I started, I, I wanted, I wanted to move on from the little, the little, um, the little uh, harmony guitar. So I asked my dad, I said, I want to buy, will you buy me an electric guitar? Amazing. He said, only, only if you take lessons. <laughs> <laughs> So I started taking lessons when I was real young. And then I went to like study symphony music on the bass and then went to Berkeley College of Music and New England Conservatory and then got into jazz, classical music, played in an orchestra um, and then went off into rock, rock and roll and got signed by Atlantic Records. That's a real quick synopsis of, <laughs> of, the, of the whole thing. <laughs> So the band you got signed uh, with to Atlantic Records was Seventh House, and I was telling you off mic that I've actually, actually, well, I say track, track, tracked it down. It's quite easy. It's all on Spotify. So like, yeah, I listened to uh, the album, and it's it's a variety of stuff. I don't know what you listen to, <laughs> but the thing we did on Atlantic was totally different than what we did before because. We lost our drummer right before we signed to Atlantic and we couldn't find another drummer. So the guitar <laughs> player played drums and it turned into a totally different record. So I listened to 412, the album 412. So that's the Atlantic record. Now, if you listen prior to that, we're more of like a funk rock, uh-huh. uh, you know, a really improvisational funk rock type band. Which is way more interesting in some ways than than what you heard. But the Atlantic thing is good, you know. It's just (laughs) kind of controlled. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You sell it out to the man, as it were, right? Well, no, we didn't. We went into the (laughs) studio and we did this great record. And then we, in New York, we went to a a studio that I had been working out of that a friend was an engineer there that I had kind of like a, a, a friendship with. And we went to mix it and he, the, the guy came in and started mixing it. Right. And he's like, okay, we're, we'll get it going here. And I'm like, man, this, this stuff sounded so much different than what, what we did in the studio. And he's like, okay, we'll get the mix you like. <laughs> and I learned, And it turned into like, they pulled all the guitars out and all the nasty stuff out and brought in all these loops and shit. Oh man. And, and then, and I'm like, this isn't, this does not rock at all. And he's like, well, that's what the label wants. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized right there, the editing room is the most important room to be in. If you're in a a record or a film, (laughs) So was it that experience that kind of made you like, I don't know, feel disenfranchised with music and think, you know what, I want to, I want to do acting. Actually, no, I wasn't disenfranchised. We got dropped from the label, <laughs> and then we, and then we almost got another deal with Geffen, mm-hmm. 
And, and Atlantic almost brought us back and re-released the rec- record that we did before with new tracks. Yeah. But then 9-11 happened. The towers came down yeah. and I was in New York and it just kind of imploded everything in the music business yeah. was gone. So then we moved out to L.A. and and the rest is history. <laughs> so, so, yeah, how did you get started in acting? What was like those early years like? I got 2006, I was playing video games 24 hours a day in, in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was addicted to a specific video game. What game was it? It was, it was Halo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was addicted and we were online playing with people. I was addicted. And, and my wife came in and said, no, this has got to stop. You got to start acting. <laughs> and she took, she took me down to this company that like puts your picture up online yeah, yeah, yeah. and you start submitting yourself in like two weeks. I got a movie. Amazing. What and was- it got me my sat. It got me my SAG card. What was the, and movie? Then I, it was called nothing but the truth, which again, the editing room, all my stuff got edited out and it got turned into something completely different. And we're on the red carpet at the Kodak theater in LA. And the new, the new editor director comes up to me and says, sky really loved your stuff, but it's on the, it's on the floor in the editing room. (laughs) So it turned into something totally different. And, and then I, I uh, texted and, and emailed the, the real, the real director, mm-hmm. the guy who's a, from Denmark, his name's Cone Mortier. He's a really cool dude and a really cool director. He, he's been, he's going to send me the, uh, the, his director's cut one of oh, these perfect. days. <laughs> so I was going to say with, with, with all the kind of like fan hype for stuff, it will be release the sky cut, you know, like we got the release the Snyder cut with like justice league and stuff like that. Maybe one day we'll get to see the cut of that film with you in it. Um, so I noticed one of your early credits on IMDb is doing stunts in The Rocker. So I guess you would, yeah. have, been, you would have been the stuntman for Rain Wilson, right? What, would, what was that experience like? It was a, a non-experience because I never did it. Oh. And I can't get it off the, the <laughs> they won't take it off. My friend, my friend who coached, his name's Stu Johnson. He played with, you know who X is, the group X? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played with X. He played with John Doe. He played with Matthew Sweet. He played with all types of people. He trained Rain Wilson how to play the drums in that movie. (laughs) And he put me on as stuntman as a joke. (laughs) That's amazing. And I'm, everybody asked me that. And I'm like, I never did it. And I'm trying to get it off my resume. <laughs> anyway. Oh, so, so, yeah, what were the early, like, oh, like early years, like, acting? What type of stuff were you getting in those days? Just walking on, saying a line, and walking off. Amazing. <laughs> and, but, but Nothing But The Truth was a more detailed mm-hmm. uh, art film, really experimental art film. Cool. And, uh, but on and off like little little co-star type things Mm -hmm. and then i did a thing with jared hess which was a a much bigger role in don verdine yeah yeah i I, I, I watched that last night you did yeah 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 yeah. 
I loved it. And it, it didn't get great reviews, but Sam Rockwell, Danny McBride, Will Forte, all of them are phenomenal. What was that experience like? Because obviously, like, those guys are like comedy heavyweights, right? Were you kind of intimidated somewhat? Not at not at not at all. I should have been, but <laughs> they made me feel so comfortable, and they were super cool. But the thing is, I was doing a commercial with Jared Hess mm-hmm. for for some tennis company, and he came up to me at the fitting and he said, "You want to do a movie?" <laughs> and I said, "Hell yeah, man!" He said, "He said." Okay. And I said, when do I audition? And he said, you don't have to audition. <laughs> he said, I'll give, I'll call you and tell you when you're going to be flying up to Utah. So I flew up for a week and, and did all this stuff with Will Forte and mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell and Danny McBride. And they were Jermaine Clement. Yeah, yeah. Really super cool. And, you know, Jared's a cool dude. So anyone, Jared Hess is, like a guy, if anyone's around him, mm-hmm. they're they're you know they're super super cool and there's no ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a certain scene. Of, I think it's like the introduction of your character, and I was just like, there is the the face off of you and Will Forte against Sam Rockwell and Danny McBride, <laughs> and I all I could think was that must have been like there must have been some corpsing or something because like especially yeah like. Well, the four of you had just got these like comedy chops, and was it was it was that hard? Were there hard scenes to film? Was there a lot of corpsing, or was it? No, those were quick scenes. Those were quick scenes, and they were fun. And and Will Forte, honestly, that guy is just such a great dude, and so easy to work with. And he's a he is a comedy genius. He really is, man. He's all those guys are, but (laughs) Sam Rockwell, man. That role he played, mm-hmm. I can't help but crack up his whole, <laughs> the whole kind of accent he yeah, put yeah, on yeah, yeah. and his demeanor is so funny, man. So obviously the big, one of the biggest, well, I, I know I'd say the biggest collaborators you've had in making movies is Jim Hoskin. And you worked with him far back as like, was it like 2010, 2012? Yeah, yeah, I did those short films, but we weren't collaborating. He was saying, Sky, (laughs) do this now. So how did you come to... Oh, you'll never work again. (laughs) How did you come to meet uh, Jim? Casting, a lady here in LA uh, brought me into some of his short films and his weird experimental projects. And he liked me. Because those, yeah, th- those two shorts, again, like, they're really easy to find. I think they're still on Jim's uh, Vimeo. So I watched those, Renegades and Crabs. And there's something, like, especially Renegade that you can definitely see, like, a through line. It feels like it's in the world of the Greasy Strangler, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And- it's, <laughs> it's in the world of Jim Hosking. Yeah. <laughs> Right. There, well, there's something uh, like great that Daniel Noah told me from Spectavision was about Jim. Is like, as much as like you would expect him to be this crazy guy for making like the films he makes, that like he's just a really placid, down to earth guy. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Maybe it is the fact that he's making film. Like, if he if he didn't make the Greasy Strangler, 
he would be the greasy strangler himself. That's true. That's <laughs> absolutely true. He told Jim told me a story that that uh, he worked for MTV really on in his career. Did you hear about this? No, 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 no. And in New York, and they sent him out to do films. He he'd go to he'd go to uh, Central Park and watch homeless guys masturbate on the on this on the bench and bring <laughs> that back to MTV. And he's like, here's the film. <laughs> That's amazing. Because like looking through like Jim's career, there's like, well, he's he's got these like great run of like TV ads here in the UK. So like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before I even, yeah, knew, he's... But before I even knew who Jim Hoskin was, it's like when I kind of look back, I go, oh, he did that like iconic advert for this. He did an iconic yeah. advert for that. Like. And so, like, even as back as like the mid two thousands, kind of doing, Great his, stuff. doing his weird shit, right? Um, really weird. I love it. <laughs> so, and when, it's and it's it's hard to do that stuff, uh-huh. like in, in especially in advertisements. They don't usually go that weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, kudos to Jim. <laughs> so, would you say that you and Jim like share kind of similar like? comic and like i don't know sensibilities in the way of like things that you enjoy i mean i enjoy all his stuff his the stuff previous to to uh renegades if i I saw that movie that film work did you watch that no i watched uh he's got one called like all about like a guy who's hiding his mustache another little short he's got which is like hilarious like it's just Work is hilarious. And I, I love his I love his scripts, man, and his ideas. They're just way out there. Mm-hmm. And um when I read The Greasy Strangler, I saw that. Crab even Renegades and Crabs are right in that world too. Mm-hmm. So with The Greasy Strangler, how how far before that film went into production had you seen the script? A year before. Oh, wow. A year, about a year, yeah. So were you one of the first people who was brought onto the project in, in regards to acting? Uh, or? I don't think so. I think uh, I think he had been he had been showing it around to a lot of people in the business to like get it made. Mm-hmm. But we prior to the Greasy Strangler, mm-hmm. we um we were going to do Crabs, the feature film oh. in Austin, Texas. And he sent me that script. I think I still have it somewhere. It's, it's crazy. And it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the warden in a jail, in a, in a prison. <laughs> and uh, Carl Solomon is one of the inmates, the dude with the, with the gray hair and the beard. Yeah. And that, that's just insanely insanely funny and we were good we were that close to doing it he said we lost our funding but we'll do something sky <laughs> so what you know your, what were your impressions when you first read that script for the greasy strangler <laughs> it, it 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 just blew my mind <laughs> it it was nothing i've ever read before anything like that the dialogue that they came up with yeah. all the catchphrases. You could see all these catchphrases mm-hmm. that were brilliant. And, uh, 
it makes sense that you know there's no improv in the movie because all every line in the movie is like that line's got to be there how tight yeah. was jim like because it's almost got like this lyrical rhythm to the way that the characters speak in it is that kind of is that inbuilt into the script or is that kind of like yeah that's built in that's built in how, and how would that be written just to kind of get like a visualization is it like these words pause say that word or yeah, it... exactly well no no it's it's a line but the way the line when you read the the, the text of the line you get the rhythm that this is really odd <laughs> yeah I mean, you get it right off the bat that this nobody else writes like Jim Hosking. Mm -hmm. and when it came to that film as well, was that like, did Jim give you any like prep work in regards to like, oh, here's like films you should watch or anything like that? Or is it just like, we're going to, we're going to make no, just, hey, vision? you're, you're <laughs> this, you're this, um, you're this guy who's seriously overweight who's never been laid and you know, you kind of look like a, um, like a middle-aged lesbian woman, <laughs> man, <laughs> like a transgender. <laughs> okay. And then I started thinking of this, like he, you know, glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we picked, we picked the glasses. We picked the, the outfits. Yeah, he, he wanted it. He wanted input, but I mean, obviously the, the stylist and everybody said, but I'm like, yeah, I love this. I love this, man. And when when it came to like the, yeah, the costumes for one, like when when you started to see those costumes, were you like, okay, I'm getting a feel for what this film is, like, or or you kind of you knew like you knew off the bat what what kind of film it was going to be. <laughs> the costumes really brought it together in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when we started doing a whole two hours of wearing underwear only in yeah. the fitting, it, and then these pink outfits, <laughs> it, it looks, you know, then yeah, I was gonna say, I, go think, ahead. I think it's on the uh, the like director's co the commentary you guys did. Like, you, I think it's one of you remarked that it's like one of the most comf there's like some of the most comfortable outfits as well. Like, you get these like amazing like two pieces that kind of like like roll necks and like the, the long trousers, like got the flowing trousers and stuff like that. It looks like it's pretty comfortable to be in that stuff, right? It's comfortable, but you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're really getting a, 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 <laughs> a definitely a vision of what this thing is. <laughs> I mean, I never wore stuff like that before yeah, yeah, yeah. ever in my life. Um, what, like, what was the discussion that did like, when it came to the prosthetic for um, Braden's tiny penis, was it like? Wh when did you kind? Of, when were you like aware? Jim, Jim, we were over in in a, a place in Burbank at some place that made the made them, <laughs> and he says, "Sky, you're going to have a tiny penis," and <laughs> and and Michael, you're going to have a huge penis. It looks like a like a, like a rat's head, <laughs> and that was it. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> what what was the vibe like on set for that film? Was it like I don't know because it, it, it since it was a low budget, it was it was like we had to like you know a lot of dialogue, a lot of 
like scenes that we couldn't like do over and over and over and over and over and over. We did this stuff quickly. And what was the, so, what was it like working with Michael? Like he seems like a, like, I don't know, like I haven't seen him in anything else, but like he just, he's magnetic. And you never will. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, he's a, uh, He's definitely an interesting actor to play off of. He gives you a lot to to uh, you know as a father mm-hmm. to, to to take in and and uh, you know were there were there scenes in the movie that were like particularly hard to get through? Like was it that pressure of obviously like we've got a low budget, we've got time constraints, but were there like? Are you, how are you at corpsing? Are you okay, or, or are you just kind of at, at what? Like like uh, breaking character and like laughing in a scene, or are you kind of? You oh no no, we didn't break any character. No, no. there wasn't any. No, no. Time for that. it was it was boom. We're doing this scene, and it was these scenes are are very dialogue intensive. Yeah. So you're not really thinking about breaking out of anything. You're like in this thing. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah, because it's, it's it's almost like like a like NADSAT or something like the language. Do you know what I mean? It like reminds me like it, like as bizarre as the Greasy Strangler is. Like it's like something like a Clockwork Orange, where like this world has got its own like speech and rhythms and stuff like that. And, Absolutely. Absolutely. So we were intensely, you know, immersed in that world. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to to ask you was what were your impressions like once the film had wrapped and you first saw it like was it the was it the film you had read the script of it was uh let me put my earpiece in it fell <laughs> out uh it was um god it was it was way 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 weirder than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> You know, it was pretty stark mm-hmm. in weirdness. And then being seeing it for the first time at at um, Sundance yeah. with like sold out theaters, <laughs> that had an effect. Yeah, yeah, you know, people standing room only, people walking out <laughs> because they were gro- they were grossed out. Amazing. What, you know, it was it was pretty intense, more intense than the filming. Yeah, what was the, what, what what was that experience like at Sundance? Because obviously, like, obviously surreal. Yeah, as I was gonna say, you're kind of like the way you've explained making of the film. It kind of felt like bam, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and then it's like, oh, now we're at one of the most prestigious festivals in the world. And, and you know, you know what I thought when before it went to Sundance or it got accepted to Sundance, I thought this film is just is going to be a great film. It's going to be interesting and like nothing like anything that's ever been done before. And that's enough for me. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> I thought this is like this thing is people are going to like walk away from this because it's so weird. And yet. You know, and then we get there and we're at the opening night where you go into that big uh, party. Yeah, yeah. And that's all that people are talking about <laughs> in the line. And I'm thinking, oh, shit. 
<laughs> well, it seemed like a lot of people really wanted for the movie to get made because I've seen like those, like when you yeah when you first watch it, like there's a there's a few different like studio cards coming up. Whether it's Rook Films, like Ben Wheatley's company, or Spectavision, or is it like Timpson, like Ant Timpson's company, and like well, here's the thing, dude. Yeah, there's a common denominator in all those those companies. They're a bunch of weird, crazy motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's what I like about it. It kind of yeah. it, it very much feels like the like, the weirdos have all come together to be like, are we like they've read the script and have all gone, we want this weird like nobody else might enjoy this we're gonna enjoy it it. that's exactly what it was including daniel noah more so with daniel noah well i think yeah he i remember him telling me that um elijah wood like i think ant timpson had given him this or tim league had given him the script and he kind of broke spectavision protocol by like instead of running it by anyone just went we've got to make that we've got to like help fund this movie because it is like, it's like nothing I've ever read before. Like how does it feel to like have that backing from like, yeah, like Elijah Wood and like uh, a Ben Wheatley, like knowing that they're the people kind of helping this ship go forward. It's it's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. I mean, they made it happen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, <laughs> Elijah and Daniel. Thank you, Aunt. It's, yes, because yeah. So when when the film started, thanks, Tim League. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so when the film came out, obviously it kind of very quickly started to gain this like I don't like almost like cult like status overnight, and then almost like a notoriety of being like it's like the gross out movie of the year you've got to see it what was it like being in the middle of that kind of storm and seeing seeing the reactions as they started to come out i i thought it i was great it's like being the underdog in these big film festivals <laughs> and you walk in and uh, and you're like oh god this guy <laughs> <laughs> oh god this film <laughs> you know what i'm saying the underdog man yeah Definitely. I was I, I did this movie with Alex Pettifer. You know who Alex is? Yeah, is it is that uh, Backroads, right? Yeah, I did Backroads, and all my scenes were cut. <laughs> I was, uh, but you know they had they edited the film perfectly. Yeah. I could see how a lot of that stuff would throw off the momentum of the the film. That's what I thought. But anyway, we were sitting at lunch one day, and I'm across from Alex. The super cool dude, man. And he's like, I saw the Greasy Strangler. <laughs> and I'm like, really, man? He said, you are a sick fuck. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. What, what are, like, in, in regards to, like, kind of interactions you've had involving the film, what... Like, for, what what is the thing you kind of hear the most from people? What do they kind of quote at you in regards to Greasy Strangler? Well, the people that like it, you know, are all about the quotes. Yeah, you know, they they come at you with you know all the all the the so the, the catchphrases. Yeah. The people that don't like it are like, how could you be a part of this? <laughs> Crossing the you? street when they see you. <laughs> yeah. How could you wear that little 
little penis. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, have you ever had like any interactions where people like, I don't know, try and show off to you by like eating greasy food or anything like that? Or like oh, online, yeah, online all the time. People are sending me stuff where they're putting big sticks of butter in their coffee or drinking grease on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They're sending me these pretty much. There's, there's a guy named Oliver, Oliver over in England who runs the greasy strangler UK fan club. And he, he grossed Jim out. I won't tell you what he did. It, it 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 had to do with the 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 poo that flew around the room, <laughs> you know, that turned out to be Big Ronnie's poo, not mine. Yeah, the finger pointing at you, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he these guys are doing this all the time, trying to gross me out. Amazing. What is it like to kind of because obviously the film what it's five years old now, and it's kind of it's developed like a. A, a in October, yeah. in October, wait, in October, it's five years since the screening at Nighthawk in Brooklyn, the, the actual premiere. Yeah. So like what, like, yeah. And it's, it's gained this, as I said, it's like this cult film, like that must feel, I don't know. How, how does that feel for you? Are you kind of a bit like, are you proud? You you sound very proud of the film. Are you like, or are you like? I am. I am very amazing. You know, I I you know, I just I feel like it was such luck meeting Jim and doing the Greasy Strangler. I mean, <laughs> think about think about the odds in the universe of acting. <laughs> so, do you think that the film had right. like a kind of like knock on effect to stuff that you've done? since like obviously outside of working uh, with jim has had what kind of an effect? effects like kind of like benefited like do you know what I mean have you kind of found that you're in more stuff? well i mean yeah a lot of things came from the greasy strangler a lot <laughs> you know different roles where people think say you know i think you could you're perfect for this role we saw you in the greasy strangler and you'd play this guy really well and that kind of stuff and not auditioning for things, which is another amazing benefit. Yeah, I I, I watched, well, I, I didn't quite finish the film, but I watched some of Under the Silver Lake and like saw some of your moments. And it kind of, it felt like, it was like, oh, that is a perfect Sky Bar role. Like, was that was that one of those instances where you didn't have to audition or? The, the actual role that I auditioned okay. for was was the guy, the compo, the, uh, the songwriter, the old guy that he bashed his head in with a guitar. I was going to play that guy and they were going to make me look a hundred years <laughs> old. And I was really hoping I could, could do that. But they gave it to another guy because they said they couldn't make me look a hundred years old. That's, this guy looks better. <laughs> this guy looks old. So, so we want you to play this thing. What was, what was that experience like? Because obviously that, that film's like a guy. It was great. It was a one day thing. Walk on, do the thing all day. It was an all day thing. Work, hang out with Andrew Garfield, who's a super dude, great guy. And that was it. And then go to, a, I went to the premiere in Hollywood. Amazing. Um, and one, one of the projects that like, yeah, 
absolutely blew me away that you're in is um joe talbot's american paradise like the short film you're in where did you find this where did you see I this saw, well like um I, I saw it online uh i'm like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna divulge uh just because I, 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 I couldn't watch it by any legal means but like, i was desperate to see it because i i've kind of like wait a <laughs> second i've been trying to watch it i've been texting him joe he gave me a password two years ago. Now the password doesn't oh, work man, anymore. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I think it's on it's on a, a Vimeo, but yeah, you need a password for it. But like, I was absolutely floored by it. You, like, you nick you nicked the password. Hey, hey, no, I'm not a bullshit artist. That's what I'm. That's what I'm calling right now. <laughs> so listen, man, listen. That thing is is going to be made into an HBO series. Wow. They're talking to him and the, and the producer about making that American Paradise into an HBO 10 episode series featuring none other than <laughs> Sky Elobar. For, for people who haven't seen it, like what is, what is the kind of premise of uh, American Paradise? It's basically the result, the post-apocalyptic result of Trump's America. It's based on a true story, right? I like, yeah, know. yeah, about a guy who just loses his fucking shit in desperation, puts on a black man's mask and goes out and robs a bank to try to change his life, take the money and change his life. And 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 uh, disappear into this idyllic fantasy yeah, world. I don't know what it is. About. It, it's one of those things. It's like as a short, like it left me wanting more, and like instantly, I went out and uh, ordered like a copy of Joe's film, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, because I was like, if this is the world he's creating, like I want to be. Oh, yeah, I want to be in it. It's like it's it's it's, it's fascinating. What was what was that shoot like? And kind of yeah. What so obviously that that what that which which shoot the American, American Paradise? Paradise. Yeah, yeah. That was intense because we rehearsed. We rehearsed. Uh, four or five days in San Francisco before we did that that short film. I rehearsed with him and got the mask and rehearsed with the mask on and did all this stuff. Then we did the shoot, which was like five days. It was about nine or 10 days of work on that short film. And it was, uh, the, the, uh, bank scene was intense. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's, it's great. I absolutely, as I said, I, I absolutely loved it. And yeah. we won some awards, yeah, yeah, man. Won awards at Sundance, right? And the IMAX award, $5,000 award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've been trying to watch it ever since and turn people on to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised. Like it kind of feels like it should be, cause I was, I'm, I, I, well, I'll wait till the Blu-ray turns up, but it feels like the type of thing that would be perfect for, cause the, obviously it's like the, the story of the short film is like bookended with the guys fishing. And one of them is the lead in the last black man in San Francisco, right? And it almost—he's even yeah. like, like from the poster, he's dressed exactly the same. If, if it, again, it feels like 
it feels like you're very much in these shared universe uh like films <laughs> well i'm just glad i was man <laughs> i i loved american yeah. paradise so more work to come with joe perfect perfect um yeah well i guess the thing one of the things we really should talk about is the thing that kind of uh got us to like start chatting and like spurred me on to invite you on the podcast was I had no idea about because obviously like stuff like this isn't credited on IMDb but you've been in four commercials directed by Roman Coppola like what how did they come about like what what came first was it the Nokia or the Toyota adverts the uh the the Nokia came first I auditioned for that and then got the got the second one the third one and the fourth one just because he liked me and and um this was obviously pre-covid where his his auditioning his auditioning techniques in a callback type situation are different than anybody else he he lined everybody up (laughs) Like like a firing squad, <laughs> and he came up, come up, came up to you, and and like interacted with you, amazing, and did some things and got a feel for you, got a real feel for you, and uh, he's an intuitive dude and a very well dressed gentleman. Yeah, I, I, I guess he gets that from his dad, right? This kind of like this. Uh, the- yeah. He's- really buttoned up but really really relaxed but buttoned up and and super creative and and his direction is super simple never confusing at all so i had a lot of fun doing those those that nokia the two nokias and then then the uh they were um yeah yeah they're all like again like if you if people can find them online they are like super fun adverts and they very much feel i don't know they they feel like they're made by a director do you know what i mean not like uh yeah they're not, they're not just like a kind of i don't know someone starting out or something like that i don't think they're telling him what to yeah. do <laughs> he seems like he's running the freaking show man whereas on other things the directors are going like this okay sky oh wait hold on a second Oh, okay. Forget about that, Sky. Uh, yeah, Roman Coppola is like directing the whole freaking thing, and you get no no feeling that somebody back there is telling him what to do. I like that. It's great to obviously like. I don't. That, yeah, that feeling that you get. Like, obviously, you said he cast you in the first one, and then was like, "Here's a second. Here's a third. Here's a fourth. Like, yeah, like, yeah. How 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 does that feel as an actor? Like, to obviously. And what what roles did you kind of get off the back of uh, the Greasy Strangler that people were like, we just want you for this particular part? Um, bunch of a bunch of uh, comedy stuff with like web series comedy stuff that's out there on my IMDb. I did from I did an audition for, and uh, I just did a thing with this director Alan Cordell. Uh, called the the lizard laughed. It's not up on my IMDb yet. We filmed it in San 
uh, Santa Fe, and it's getting made into a feature film. And it's based um, based off of the graphic novel by Noah Van Skyver. Have you ever heard no, of no, Noah, no, no. Noah Van Skyver? He's, he's great, but this is a really great story, and it's going to turn into a feature film. And Ben Evans, uh-huh. you can see on the IMDb, is a book written by Josh Mallerman, the bird box oh, guy. We made Ben. Yeah. And we, I got that. The guy sent me the script and says, you're Ben Evans. <laughs> and, and so that's getting, that's getting funded right as we speak. We're going to make a feature film out of that. And Sky Elevar is the lead <laughs> from the greasy strangler. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Tim. Tim league. Thanks. Noah. <laughs> So well, yeah, back to back to Jim, and obviously you did um, an evening with Beverly Laughlin. How was that? Was that different to the Greasy Strangler? Because obviously the budget was bigger. Obviously, like now you've got Jermaine Clement and like Aubrey Plaza, or was it kind of the same? Like the same vibe? Like Jim was like, well, for it, it was it was different for me because. I I went up there to Eureka for three weeks and worked maybe 11, 12, 13 days out of the three weeks. So I had some time off in between. And and the scenes, is a, it's not like as, as work intensive as the Greasy Strangler for me. For those guys, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of stuff. But uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, what? It was a lot of fun working with uh, Emil Hirsch and... and um, oh, guys that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think either of us are going to get it. That was fun. <laughs> um, um, what, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and this Probably is like a, a, a just a personal... Was the dance your idea that you do in uh, An Evening with Beverly Laughlin? Is that... Is that that was a collaboration. Jim came in and said, you're going to, you're going to do this thing. You're going to do a, a, a body popping thing. And I said, okay, so I did this body popping thing, whatever I came up with. And he's like, like simplify it, Scott. And then I just did something else. And I said, how about this? We're like, you know, going down. He said, yeah, go down, down, down. And we got it. And he said, that's the one. So with wh- so it was it was a collaboration with Jim and uh, and um, David White. So, so with like an evening with Beverly Laughlin, is it is there a fact like because you're not in every like frame of like basically every frame of the film like you were <laughs> with the Greasy Strangler, do you kind of get to enjoy it in a different way than you would like watching the Greasy Strangler? I enjoy everything Jim does. I really enjoyed it. Each time I watch Beverly Laughlin, I think, man, I love this even more. It's so weird. Yeah, and the, you start getting the rhythm of the thing more. And I think Jermaine is genius in this yeah. thing. In regards to like Beverly Laughlin, is it this like melding of the two worlds? It's like you get like the guys who were in the greasy strangler but then obviously like the budget has gone up so you have like the Aubrey plaza and like obviously i guess more people were like wanting to 
I don't know, like not not necessarily like wanting to work. But you know what I mean? Like in that thing of like Jim's all of a sudden like he's made this breakout film, and then like what? Yeah, was it like? Did it feel different Jim, making that film? I think Jim is. Um, Jim's world. We're a part of his world, and. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, we come up in his world when, you know, yeah. when, it, when it suits, right? Okay, bring Sky in, bring, bring uh, um, you know, Sam in yeah, yeah, and bring, yeah. <laughs> bring, bring Carl in. And, and it, you know, we, we've, locked, we've locked onto his world. So, you know, if he says, hey, we, uh, you're going to play Carl. I wanted to play Rodney von Donkensteiger because <laughs> I actually auditioned for that role. Like two years before the film, <laughs> be, be, before Greasy Strangler, <laughs> I, I auditioned. I said, I really want to be And this is before anyone was ever cast in this thing. I said, I want to be Rodney von Donkensteiger. He said, okay, Sky. And then... Somebody came in with money and said, no, Sky's not being Rondi Von <laughs> Sorry, Sky. You may be Rodney Von Donkensteiger in your mind, but it's, uh, you know, this guy in England, this famous dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Who I actually, I actually love, man. Yeah, Matt Berry. He's like kind of. He's genius. Well, he's got this thing as well, and I think he very much fits into the world of like Jim's Jim. films because he's got the he's got he's known in the UK for just having like this odd cadence to his voice of just like all of a sudden it'll go up like or like it's kind of like the voice like does its own thing and stuff like that and like yeah it's been in like some of the greatest like UK sitcoms and stuff like that. There's I think it's just hit american amazon prime there's a if you've never seen it there's a show called um garth merengue's dark place which is like i gotta see it it's fantastic so it's it's basically you 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 will if yeah it's kind of so do you do you like the toast of london yeah 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 yeah. okay i'm just wondering if that was made for us (laughs) no well no (laughs) yeah 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 that, that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's come. I, I think they're they're bringing that back, and it's going to be set in Hollywood. I love it. Oh, so, I love it, man. Yeah. So if they're if they're the going to be filming to, to, Toast of Tinseltown, like uh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's they're going to be like Toast trying to break America. So you, you need to, you need to hit up your cart. You need to hit up your your manager and your agent, Sky. <laughs> If the powers that be, like, <laughs> like the world of Sky Elevar, they'll call me. <laughs> but I've got a whole rider in my contract that says, my dog Coco, you saw my little puppy up yeah, here. Yeah. He's got to be in every scene. <laughs> <laughs> real, real diva moves. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, obviously you you've continued working. Well, you continued working with Jim as well, and you've popped up in Tropical Cocktails, which like 
unfortunately has never been released here in the uk like unfortunately it's crazy yeah it's crazy i get to piss my pants all day and and sam and sam uh you know the 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 indian tourist Yeah, yeah, yeah He, he he's in a cat outfit or something with with that where the butt is cut out and all he does is crawl around oh, oh is it it's ridiculous <laughs> i i won't give it away but there's one scene there's one scene that's just gonna you're 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 gonna piss your pants <laughs> when you watch this scene amazing i'll be i'll be trying to i'll be trying to track that down um so yeah, as we're getting close close to an hour, the hour mark. We are. The yeah. Wow. So I was it's a lot yeah. of fun, man. <laughs> what type of um, what what projects have you got coming up in the future that you can like? Obviously, you've mentioned a few. Is there is there, is there well the Ben Evans thing and the Lizard Laugh thing? They're they're going to happen, and you know whatever else comes comes. You know, hopefully this American Paradise they green light that, and I I'm on HBO. Uh-uh. I will like, as I said, like, yeah, I can't, I can't testify enough how much I enjoyed that short. So to get, whether it's like a eight, 10 part. Um, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, dude. No worries. Um, really appreciate it. <laughs> obviously, I started off this podcast looking at um, the films of Nicolas Cage. And I ask all my guests that come on, what, which is their favorite Nicolas Cage film? Do you have a particular favorite Nicolas Cage film, Sky? Of course I do. <laughs> Mandy. Yeah. You which saying, I saw. I was going to say, are you saying that because like the Spectavision? No, 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 no. <laughs> I saw I saw it. I saw it at Sundance and Daniel Noah got me in and there was a line five miles long <laughs> and he got me in and it was excellent. It was crazy. Amazing. Amazing. What, what so is it, it had an impact that, on me. What is it about that film that you particularly enjoy? I think he's out of absolutely out of control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love it. Do you find yourself ever like, is there particular actors or directors that you like want to work with as an actor? Or are you kind of happy to see what comes and just kind of like roll with the punches? I'd like to be able to work with, you know, Ridley Scott, mm -hmm. Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, yeah. uh, you know, but, Usually what comes my way is, is new guys that have brilliant ideas that have a future in front of them. And I look at it and, you know, want to hop on their, <laughs> hop on their carriage, man, or hop, hop on their, uh, their bus, man, for a hop ride. On, amazing. Hop on the train for a bit and then, and then hopefully, hopefully get taken along for the ride. Amazing. Absolutely. Well, I very much hope to see whether, yeah, it, I'm sure if Jim makes another film, you'll you'll pop up, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing. The in a bigger film. way. <laughs> let's hope. Let's get the. Where the, are you in 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 London? I'm, yeah, I'm just outside of London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yes, yeah, so I've got more chance of pestering Jim, right? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I'm going to pester you when we come over there. Amazing, amazing. That'd be perfect. Amazing. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Sky. It's been so much fun. Well, Likewise, dude. Talk soon.
And that was the amazing Sky Elobar. That was a lot of fun, right? I had a lot of fun with that conversation. Um, yeah, we had a couple of moments. Uh, Sky had his dog on his lap, who I believe is mentioned. At the end of this episode, little Lulu is a little legend. Um, yeah, if you haven't, I know I said it a couple of times in the episode, but if you haven't seen Joe Tolbert's American Paradise, do seek that out if you can find it. If anyone knows like a legitimate way you can watch that, please do get in touch on all the socials, which is K- uh, Caged in Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, or drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. Um, I say that because, yeah, I really want to be able to like own it or however you can like just support it, basically, because it's, it's super fun, and I very much hope that that idea of it being turned into a hbo series comes off because oh yeah oh boy oh boy it's a it's a lot of fun uh as this episode was it was it was so much fun and again a massive thanks to sky it was um it was an absolute joy talking to him and uh yeah if you've enjoyed this episode um please rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts, acast or wherever you're listening to this right now if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can always do that at patreon.com forward slash caged in pod where you get tons of cagey filled conversations I have with my guests because obviously at the moment we're very much on a Coppola bent. The conversation very much falls into that category. So yeah, head on over to Patreon or I'll, I'll, pop, I'll pop some links in the, the bio to the co- like coffee app and stuff like that. Buy me a coffee if you can't can't afford to do the ongoing payment that's that's totally understandable um i'll also be dropping in these show notes um some of the where places you can find some of the shorts especially the jim hoskin renegade and crab shorts because they're fantastic and you can watch them legally and yeah jim's put them up there and they're they're fantastic so as always guys i have been petrus patsalus i have been caged in and i'll catch you next time Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. 
If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.